Welcome to the Dellingpod with me, James Dellingpod. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I really am. But before I introduce him, a quick word. Hello, just a quick heads up about a couple of events I've got coming up which might be of interest to you. Um, One of them, obviously, you're going to be there, aren't you? But there are still tickets left to my event, my live event with David Icke in Manchester on the 15th of November. Uh, It's going to be great. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, There's another event the, the weekend before that on the 11th of November. Saturday in Stroud in in Gloucestershire this is it's called net zero the final frontier and there are various people talking um I'm going to be giving a very punchy talk on something I don't normally go into uh these days because I've, I've I've kind of had enough of it but the whole climate change agenda and what absolute bollocks it is so if you want to hear me talking about that it's probably worth coming down to Stroud I'll put the details below thank you very much enjoy the rest of the podcast and also of course do please support my sponsors um, by helping them you're helping me and you're helping them and you're helping the cause and it's all good thanks welcome to the Delling pod Ole Johansson thank you <laughs> um, I'm really I really am looking forward to this, and um, because, funnily enough, a few a few weeks ago, I've got this Telegram chat group, and the issue of radiation came up. Yeah, and somebody sent me a link to some woman. I don't. You, you may know her. I can't remember her name. Talking about the health effects of of radiation, and and and, and pointing out that a lot of th- lot of medical problems which are attributed to other things are actually caused by radiation um and i'm hoping you're, you're going to be able to fill me in on this tell me tell me about your, yourself first of all tell me about your background well i'm a retired professor in basic and applied neuroscience i worked my whole life at the Karolinska institute here in stockholm but also at the royal institute of technology and uh, I have studied the brain, the spinal cord, and the peripheral nerves, and their content of various modulators and transmitter molecules. And then in 1977, and I guess you were not even born then, you know. I'm, uh, I'm older than you think, Olive. Oh, oh. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You look so young. Uh, no, then we came across uh, today's topic about um, health effects as well as biological effects of artificial electromagnetic fields and you know at that time 1977 people didn't have any wireless gadgets really Uh, no cell phones no uh, laptops that were wireless ipads and so on Uh, so it was really very very early Uh, and the rest is uh, history as you say you know so that that's the reason why we talk today yes i i would just imagine that the world before all this, um, all the EMF coming from all these electronic devices, were, were people much healthier then? <laughs> oh, that's a classical question. And of course, you know, to begin with, before cell phones, we did have 
for decades, things that we call television, radio programs, radar, etc. But of course, if you go backwards to the end of the 1900th century, then all these things started to be invented and used. Uh, like electricity here in Sweden, it's in the order of 140 years. And from a biological medical point of, to, um, point of view, that's nothing. Uh, it's basically two generations, and that's it, of human beings, of other species, more or less generations. So, of yeah. course, it's a very recent um, um, provocation to our cells and molecules. And if you go back, like in Sweden, at the end of the 1900th century, there was an enormous poverty, uh, a lot of illnesses, and the life expectancy was quite short compared to today. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe, and, and don't get me started on this actually, but maybe their lives were more meaningful because nowadays, as you know, many people very early in their life feel that what they work with and what they do for their leisure time kind of lacks meaning. Very quickly they get bored of yeah. computer games, surfing the internet, shopping and so on. And that's about it compared to uh, farming, uh, hunting, fishing and things that more or less nearly the whole population did apart from the industrial uh, area where people more and more became employed in factories. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's a very fair question, but maybe you need to separate. Were they happier? Maybe. Were they healthier? Probably not. Right. So, okay, so we've just, what we've done, as, as people's diets, um, or at least access to important things like meat, have, have, have probably improved and people have got generally wealthier, um, we've we've introduced these other elements which counteract the, the yeah. advantages and you know, today um i don't know the english term for that really in swedish we would call it well and meaning illnesses that are dependent on the fact that you can eat an endless amount of sugar fat uh, and whatever you know and therefore many people as you know today are obese um even Fat, really. Yes. So, and with a lot of diabetes and heart issues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, that yeah, diseases of civilization. I, I I do something called the Bateko method, uh, developed by this this um this Soviet era doctor called Bateko, and he call he called these conditions diseases of civilization. All these yeah. things that are kind of yeah have have appeared since sort of the post-industrial in the, in the post-industrial age yeah yeah exactly. so um we obviously we're going to come on to 5g which which worries me greatly um and and, and i heard something very interesting the other day um the word is that Estate. I mean, the property market, as you know, is dead in the UK, as it probably is in in most of the world, because people know what's coming. But somebody told me that estate agents are having great difficulty selling houses which are near five G masts. So people must feel instinctively that there's something wrong there. 
Um, well, personally, I would doubt that, at least in Sweden, because you cannot tell what is a 3G, 4G, or 5G based data because they use the same infrastructure. They look the same. Um, and uh, therefore, I doubt that. But you are right in the sense that if you, for instance, have overhead power lines, that would make people less interested in a, a property and a house. Um, and also, if there is a telecom mast somewhere, but people are, um, how should we say, not realize that they actually carry a very strong base station with them in the form of the cell phone. Uh, so they have cell phones, but they don't want to live close to an uh, uh, antenna. And as you know, the closer you are to uh, antennas, uh, the less output power your cell phone will use. So in a way, it would be ideal to live close to a base station. But as you say, people have thoughts and uh, frights about this, and they would probably choose another property rather than one that is decorated with all these base stations. So let's go, go back to basics. When, when, the sort of, uh, when we humans appeared, I mean, in, in, according to my version of events, we were created by God. I don't <laughs> believe in evolution. Um, we lived in a world without EMF. Is that right? The, the, there were no, no natural sources of EMF. No, no, no. We do have natural sources. Uh, one is the geomagnetic field, and right. that's speaking very strong, and it's a static. It does change direction, but maybe over 100,000 years or so. Right. And so static field, and of course, all species that cannot live in such an exposure, they are no longer with us. Right. So we have got accustomed to this over hundreds of thousands of years during human development. Yeah. And then, of course, from outer space, you have various forms of electromagnetic signals. Uh, and um, I mean, one of the most famous microwave background, which is generated by the so-called Big Bang. Uh, but these fields are, in contrast to the geomagnetic fields, very, very, very weak, right? And especially compared to artificial man-made, which are, well, if I could use a term from your vocabulary, they are biblical, they are colossal, they are astronomical, but they are invisible. The people don't think about that they are moving around in a soup thicker than any pea soup in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. I remember I, uh, earlier this year, I went to Hong Kong and I was, I found my time there really, really uncomfortable. I, I, I felt like I was being zapped by all manner of, I, I just felt it. I just felt uncomfortable all the times. And there were places where I went in the streets. I, I don't know what, what the source of, of, the, of it was, but I felt really, really quite sick. Um, what, what would that have been, do you think? Oh, that's very, very difficult to say. And uh, uh, you and I, we are fair-skinned uh, persons from a rather harsh climate. Uh, the UK is famous for its clouds and uh, rains. And, and right now, for instance, it's 
practically very dark and will be for months and months. So going to Hong Kong is an enormous stress on our body right. uh, because you will be exposed to very damp heat and sun exposure. Uh, and of course, a variety of other types of bacteria and viruses and other parasites, etc. And another type of water, another type of food. So there could be a lot of different reasons for it. But of course, uh, among uh, the exposures, we do have also physical exposures like the electromagnetic field. And in Hong Kong, there are very high exposure levels indeed. So maybe you react to that. But as a society, I must then ask for what we would call controlled studies, yeah. where we would rule out so-called confounders, other um, factors that could have affected your health. And uh, But the interesting thing is that what you describe, that was really the start for my interest, because we had... Um, primarily women at the beginning, but then more and more were men reporting exactly what you say during wintertime here in Sweden, where you cannot say that they were in a different foreign environment. They were on their own backyard, and it was dark, and there was no sun, and so on, you know. And therefore, the attention was drawn to, at that time, the newly introduced personal computers, which people loved. They thought it was great, you know, and it eased their work a lot, especially for secretaries and so on, telephone operators, etc., etc. Uh, but people started to tell us, the scientists and the medical doctors, that they didn't feel well when they sat in front of these newly produced uh, computer screens. And that was, as I said, really the start for me. Right. Okay. So when when in in our civilization did the did did it it start going really wrong when, when was the first wave of, of of stuff when did that start coming in well um, i would say that the first real reports uh, and now we talk about something that i coined uh, as green dermatitis because people got skin rashes skin irritation um and pricking pain, redness, heat sensation, and so on. And later on, it was called electrical allergy, but nowadays it's referred to as a functional impairment or disability with the name electrohypersensitivity. And now we are in 1979. But when you read scientific literature, for instance, about the very famous American Serbian entrepreneur and inventor Nikolai Tesla, uh, maybe he was actually electro hypersensitive. We cannot know for sure because we cannot meet and uh, investigate him, but maybe. But from 1979, then the first cases were reported from the United States of America and from Norway, quickly followed in the following years from Sweden. Soon from UK, etc. Right. I suppose what I was was angling for was was um, electricity. When 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 houses started being oh. electrified, did yeah. that have any effect or not? Oh, indeed. Um, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. Yes, indeed. Uh, already from the very first electrification, 
but also from the first uh, radio transmitters. And now we are again at the end of the 19th century or the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, people, you know, oddly described sensations, uh, which they didn't really refer to the masts or exposures at first, but uh, the attention was drawn to it indeed, yes. Right. Uh, then, for instance, in the 1950s and 60s, it was very popular with amateur radio, with very strong uh, transmitters close to your body and head. And again, it was even said that there was a special radio, uh, amateur radio illness. Uh, people complained, for instance, about uh, pounding headaches, etc. Uh, and in control experiments, you can see that that kind of exposure can elicit headaches. So what people felt also have a scientific um, uh, background. Right. Um, I mean, we are adaptable, aren't we? we but, but the question is, I suppose, can we adapt quickly enough? Oh, that's an excellent question. No, really. Um, the adaptation for human beings is good but it's not that good we are no rubber bands that you can stretch forever and also the adaptation generally takes generations and as you know our generations cycle very slowly so maybe over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years you can see that type of adaptation and maybe therefore we should be extremely thankful and happy for the persons with the disability we call electrohypersensitivity because they act as some kind of a warning signal like the classical yellow canary bird in the coal mine and uh, they tell us something is not really right and i have even said uh, in several lectures and articles that maybe the hypersensitive people are the new normal persons because they react with um, correct avoidance behavior uh, to a very toxic and densely um, uh, done uh, environment with a lot of exposure. Uh, and um, maybe the rest of us, like myself, uh, I don't react to anything. Maybe I am therefore electro-hyposensitive. And you know, through history, especially if you so uh, tens of thousands of years back to the Stone Age, etc., um, people that were uh, hypersensitive to other animals, to changes in environments, they are not with us any longer. They died. Mm. Uh, they couldn't adapt quick enough, you know. So maybe the real winners at the bitter end will be the electro-hypersensitive people, as well as very poor people around the world who cannot afford to build wireless infrastructure, for instance, they cannot buy any cell phones, etc. And therefore, maybe they're not that exposed to these rays at UNIR. I can just imagine that there are going to be some people watching or listening to this, this, this podcast and they're going, yeah, but look, what, what can we do? We've got, we're surrounded, I, I, I like my cell phone, I like my computer. And, and yeah. look, if it, if it were really a problem, why aren't I dead? Why aren't we all dead? They just go, look, look, I look around. I mean, people have got health problems, but, but kind of, so what? We can, we can manage it. What would you say to that? 
Well, I would say that I do respect their choices. Uh, they are personal and within the realm of our economy and, and modern lifestyle. I do understand that. Uh, but at the same time, maybe human beings are not primarily right now because the most scary studies, if you can call it like that, are studies made on, for instance, bacteria, on plants, uh, on different types, uh, including also, of course, uh, they are human indeed, sperm cells and egg cells and fertility. And then when you go out into the rea reality, there is a dramatic reduction of male sperm quality count, motility, etc. There is a dramatic reduction of so-called pollinators, like honeybees, and they don't like this kind of radiation, I can tell you. And we do see a tremendous increase in um, antibiotic resistance based on bacteria. And when you feed bacteria with, for instance, mobile telephony or Wi-Fi router um, radiation, then they like they use it and they change to antibiotic resistant. And when the pandemic was in full swing, the COVID-19 pandemic, a representative of the World Health Organization was asked if COVID is the worst threat to mankind ever. And then he kind of smiled or laughed even and said, no, 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 we can handle that, you know. But the reporter was very smart and said, well, but tell me, what is the worst threat to mankind right now? And then he very solemnly said, well, that's antibiotic resistance in healthcare. And, you know, for me as a scientist, I kind of froze because I realized, yeah, that's what happened when you expose uh, bacteria, ordinary sort of household bacteria you and I have in us and on us right now to these artificial electric fields. So that's what I would tell the person saying that, hey, why are we not dead yet? Maybe we are soon because, for instance, Without pollinators, well, then we will have very little, or if any, fruit, vegetables, nuts, that kind of thing. And without sperm cells that work, <laughs> well, then you and I are not dead, but we cannot in the future produce an Right. So let, let's go through these a bit, a bit more, because, I, I mean, I, I always thought that declining sperm counts were more to do with things like estrogen in the water supply yeah um i agree i mean there are a lot of confounders other factors uh, that might be the cause but you know when you really press experts and say well tell me now tell me what is the cause then they have to admit, well we don't know uh, we have candidates quite a number of different candidates for each one of the problems you mentioned just now, but we actually don't know. And then what I say is that when you go to scientific, review-based literature, you will find quite a number of papers telling you that sperm cells should not buy and own a cell phone. Uh, pollinators like honeybees should not buy and own a cell phone. Immune-competent cells in our body, as well as in other species, should not buy and own a cell phone. And DNA molecules in our cells and in other cells should not buy and own a cell phone. Uh, 
there's a factor, a common factor in all those all those points you made, and it seems to be cell phone. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a cell phone. I just mentioned that. It could be any form of wireless uh, gadget, maybe even also uh, the electromagnetic fields coming from other installations we normally would call uh, wired, because wired uh, installations have to be shielded as well if you really should get uh, away from the electromagnetic fields. Most often they are. Right. Okay. Do, well, okay. Going back, to, let's do let's do the sperm sperm count first. We know that sperm counts are are falling, and what what does what does EMF do to to, to sperm? Well, when uh, scientists like in the United States have test tube experiments uh, and exposed um, semen samples from men, then of course, and uh, they seen that there is a strong reduction uh, in and also their morphology is altered in such a way so you get less functional sperm cells. Uh, so it, it's quite alarming, I would say. And therefore, it's not really an official recommendation. But if you ask around, like at health authorities and so on, they will say between the lines that for a man, he should not carry his cell phone in his trouser pocket or close to genitals and the same for a woman to try to keep it away the only problem is that if you should have a guaranteed exposure level that goes below what scientists have used for different experiments and um, then you need to first live in a completely radiation free environment meaning nothing and then your cell phone has to be in the order of 5 to 10 kilometers away from your body. 5 to then, 10 kilometers away. Yeah, then you get below the exposure levels used by scientists in laboratories to provoke change, damage, harm, cells, molecules, organisms, and so on, you know. Right. So that's clearly not possible. So, I mean... Well, it is. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, well. um, uh, it's indeed possible in the sense that if uh, authorities would put you before uh, greed, yeah. then they it off. Oh, I, I listen. I, I I totally agree with you there. Yeah. But I but I mean, in the world we actually inhabit, rather than yeah. the ideal one, to <laughs> to 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 live fifteen miles from a cell phone is not is not easy. It's not easy because I also said you live have to live in a radiation-free environment. Yes. You won't find that. There is no. just that point. Well, maybe maybe at the South Pole somewhere, but I doubt it. I was thinking, you know, I, I went to Svalbard once, and, and even in Svalbard you've got... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I went to the radio station in Svalbard. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. You have electromagnetic fields everywhere, of course. Yeah. So that would be very, very difficult. And for instance, here in Sweden, if you really would like to find a low radiation zone um, or area, there are quite a number of them, you know. And um, 
but then you would live far, far out in the Swedish forests without any infrastructure. Not the food store, petrol station, uh, nothing, you know. No healthcare, no hospitals, no doctors, nothing, no schools. So it's impractical, very, yeah. very practical. Yeah. Although, of course, you wouldn't need the hospitals because, because you'd be so healthy. That... <laughs> <laughs> you know, could I just quickly tell you, uh, you are so smart, I, I like that, you know, because many years ago, we asked for permission to take a small Swedish town called Jungby um, and uh, remove all the expose, exposure sources like radio, television, and cell phones, um, wireless computerized laptops, etc. Everything, just everything. Uh, to see if the healthy population in such a small town over time would become healthier and healthier. Yeah. Uh, but we were not allowed to do it because um, the responsible authorities said, and I quote, it was not ethical to do this to the population. What? I wanted to make their lives better and longer. And suddenly that was not ethical. Um, so, yeah, we couldn't do it. But it's still a very relevant exposure test, you know. So that I would like to do, to remove everything. I would love to see that experiment <laughs> carried out. And I would love to see the results. And it's very interesting what you say, that there is always an official given reason for doing something and and they 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 quoted that this notion that that it's unethical that it's yeah. <laughs> trying to take the moral high ground yeah. when i i know and i i'm pretty sure that you know as well that the powers that be have zero interest in protecting us from this stuff because actually this is part of their part of their plan they want to make us weaker and what? Either that, or maybe they don't even have a plan. They're just plain daft, you know. And um, many times I am surprised. I could tell you just two quick stories. Um, the first time we were going to place uh, normal healthy volunteers, actually medical and dental students, in front of computer screens and ordinary household television screens. In Sweden, you had apply for an ethical permit, so we did, and it came back and it was rejected. We were not allowed to do this experiment. We were not going to do anything with them. They should just sit there at the viewing distance of 40 centimeters and for a work day. That was it. nothing. We couldn't even touch them. And then I remember I contacted the person in charge of the Committee of Ethics, and I said, you Sorry to disturb you, but uh, you have to explain something. We are not allowed to put students in front of computer screens for a workday of at most eight hours. We are not going to touch them or anything. Um, but, you know, the whole world does this every day. Grown-ups, kids, elderly, children, anyone. Uh, students, of course. And then he said the following in Swedish, but in English it would read, uh, oh, 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 fuck. And then we got the permit. And, you know, it sounds like a fun story. He made a mistake and so on. 
But you know, there are 20 people judging every application. Could 20 people be just as stupid? I doubt that. But nevertheless, we got the permit, we could do it. Then a few years later on, uh, we should do a similar study, but then technique has evolved and then cell phones were on the market. So we asked if we could put people half a meter away from cell phones. Again, we should touch the person nothing. They should just be 50 centimeters from. And then the guy, and that was at another university, he said to me when I sent the application that, hey, Ole, you don't need to have any ethical permit for this because, you know, people, they buy cell phones everywhere. So you just go ahead. And then I remember that, Jim, please, please, could you still sign an ethical permit to place people 50 centimeters from cell phones in standby mode? They are waiting for a call. And he said immediately, ha, ha, ha. I know what you're looking for, and I will do it for you. So I am probably the only person on this planet that has an ethical permit to move people even closer to cell phones. And have you done this experiment? Yes, we did. And, uh, and what the results? Oh, that was super interesting. Um, we, uh, this is 1994, so it's quite a number of years ago. And we did this in Linköping, which is about two and a half hours by train from Stockholm. And um, we were out in the countryside. Uh, the closest electricity installation of any form was more than two kilometers away. And we used a small hut. And in there, we had 12 electro-hypersensitive persons. And the first, and you know, when you do this kind of um, provocation test, or exposure tests, you always follow like a staircase steps. And the first step is that they should sit in this hut, which was completely devoid of any electricity, um, and just sense the environment. And since I also was a bit stupid, I made a huge mistake. Uh, because of the 12, five of them claimed that they didn't feel at ease. There was something irritating them in this empty hut made of wood, period, nothing. Um, and I said that stupidly enough that, sorry, for this experiment, we need people that do not react to the room. You should react only to the cell phone. So I sent them away. We had seven left. And the next step was that they would exercise their sensitivity by using any gadget they wanted in an open format. They would see it on the table and then they should just learn how does my body react to this exposure. Maybe some tingling sensation, headache, uh, heat sensation, freaking pain, anything. So they were allowed to do this for as many times and for as long times as possible uh, or as they wanted. Um, and then the final step would be to double blind the same and also doubling the exposure time. If they said, I could react after five minutes, okay, then we use 10 minutes. No, I need 15 minutes. Okay, then we double to 30 minutes. 
Um, and uh, then we had, um, do you say, notariat, I think, English, a person from the um, municipality, which was completely independent from us, and he would roll a pair of dice and decide whether the black box contained a um, standby old cell phone or a dummy that was just a nothing more. Um, and then he came to the room with this black box or bag and put it in front of me uh, sitting together with the electro sensitive person or, and he or she would both of us be 50 centimeters away from the black box. And they should just say, yeah, now I'm exposed or no, I'm not. And they should also report their prolonged sensation over the following 24 hours. Okay? What then happened was that of the seven, four didn't differ from pure chance. Uh, they just didn't know. Uh, they thought they were sensitive enough, but they couldn't uh, fix it. Two ladies said, regardless if the bag was empty or not, that they were exposed to a high-frequency source. And that started me to think, because that was exactly what the five-person um, group I had rejected. Jetted. Yeah. And so I started to think. But before we talk about that, final uh, single lady left. And that was the owner of this hut, and she lived there. And she was 100% right, both in the acute sensation within 30 minutes, but also over the following 24 hours, where they were allowed to change their mind if they wanted to, but she was spot on every time. And if I remember correctly, we did it like 10 times in a row with one week in between. And so, yeah, she was really sensitive, you can say. And going back, to the five plus two, I thought, hmm, strange. There couldn't be any exposure in here, but I better ask a specialist in high frequency measurements to come there with his antennas or telescopes and so on. And he immediately said, Well, you see, in this hut, you have a background which is in the order of a quarter of what the cell phone would give in standby mode of a high-frequency source. And from my oscilloscope readings, there's only one thing in the world that can create this background, and that's a, a radio beacon for high-speed aircraft, military aircraft, and that will guide them so they would crash and so on. And it's always there. And the thing is, um, I think it was like 30 kilometers away, it's the best center for SARB um, produced yeah. uh, aircraft for the military. And, you know, I, I remember I was shocked realizing that maybe the 5 plus 2, mm -hmm. they were just as sensitive or actually more sensitive than the woman. And uh, so having rejected them, that was stupid. I, I admit that now, but I didn't know better. Uh, and the two ladies, they kind of put me on the trail. Um, and finally, 
this was a pilot experiment, just a test run, you know. And, and uh, shortly after, we ran out of money and we were allowed to continue these studies. But someone must have informed the world because one week after I had uh, written a compilation in Swedish uh, and put it away on a shelf, then BBC called and said, hey, we have heard you have some interesting results uh, in Stockholm. Uh, we want to come and interview you. And since then, and this is in 1995, the phone never stopped ringing. Which is not good for you if it's a cell phone. Yes. Well, I have a stationary phone with a shielded cable, so no problem. Ah, well, so I've got to ask you, uh, and, and, and we must go back, apart from sperm counts, I want to talk to you about all the other ill effects that, um, that EMF can cause. But is there anything normal people can do? Oh, I mean, yeah. Tom, Chair, tell me what we can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, to begin with, persons with electrohypersensitivity, uh, they are uh, functionally disabled or impaired, and therefore they have the right to accessibility measures from their municipalities. And that's the over the world, you know, and that is regulated by the United Nations, who has a special human rights act for people with functional impairments. And for them, it's distance to the source and or shielding. And you need often experts uh, to help you. And um, it's not always cheap and easy, but quite often it's not that complicated. And um, for healthy people, just being very concerned. I mean, the most common question I would have is from a parent asking me, you know, my daughter or son, they have a cell phone. Is, is it really safe for them? And I have to, of course, be honest and say no. Uh, and for such people, they have to start asking themselves, uh, do we have to expose ourselves always? Or could my daughter or son, for instance, read a book instead? and be outside playing as ordinary kids did before, etc. And there are also a lot of products uh, that you can use for shielding. Uh, so also a healthy person could shield off like their Wi-Fi router or their cell phone or whatever. So there are quite a number of products and we shouldn't take too much time on that. But it's easy to Google. Uh, but remember that Stickers and pendulums and quadrats, and triangles and pyramids and so on. No, they don't work. You have to follow school book physics, and then it's only about shielding and or distance. Okay, but so for example, I uh, just take my house. Um, we've all got cell phones, yeah, which we sit on far too often I, and I you made me think I often keep my cell phone in my trouser pocket so that's well I've, I've done my breeding so I suppose that's all right um we've got a television we've got we've all got personal computers we've got wi-fi um what should we be looking at to 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 reduce our exposure what what, what should we, we be tackling first 
Well, I don't know exactly how your home looks like. Do you have children there? Do you have what, sorry? Children? Yes, but well, yes. you know, grown-up ones. As you said, you have done your bit, yeah. but maybe they want to start a family in the future. Uh, so maybe you should concentrate on them. And then, of course, as I said, you know, that you need to ask yourself, could we do all the things we do in another way using shielded computers wired uh, instead of wireless equipment? And there are a lot of products that you can install to get away from the radiation, but that's the radiation you generate yourself. You mentioned, for instance, television, and the base station or transmitter for that is far away, and it's owned by the telecom uh, company or the operator for television in the UK. You are not allowed to do anything to it. But you can then beat off, of course, your house. And there are cloths, there are paints, there are metal mesh nets, etc. So there are quite a number of things to do. Well, I suppose well, to ask it in another way, what are the what are the worst sources of the most dangerous EMF? Mm, it's difficult to really say, but of course, the closer to your body you have things, the higher the exposure levels. So that would be handheld. It, like a wireless indoor phone, um, cell phone, uh, laptop have in your lap, for instance, and so forth. Uh, things that are more distant to you, they are not. Uh, they are not safe in any way, but the exposure levels would be less. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so this laptop that I'm now recording this podcast on is giving out these nasty rays. Yeah, and not only the rays, you know. Um, you would also have our frequent magnetic fields. And for instance, when I give lectures, I point to that an ordinary cell phone, if you recalculate the exposure you have in the 50 or 60 hertz range from power frequency, that equals more or less to holding several electrical train engines. And I mean full size engines. Really? Yeah. So I mean, so you have different types of exposures, um, and uh, when people hear this, they are of course surprised, shocked, uh, and um, yeah, they start. Am I right in thinking that those um, AirPods, those those, they're particularly bad? Well, I wouldn't say particularly bad. They are as bad as anything else that you have close to. You stick them in your ears, you have your cell phone in your hand, etc. The laptop, computer in your lap, and so forth. And so that's yet another exposure source. And it seems as if the brain maybe can sustain exposure somewhat better. And of course, if I could be a little bit dramatic, if that means we get dumb uh, people in the population, that we could live with. But if we get infertile men, no, then we don't have a population to dumb down. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm very old school. I've, I've got these old-fashioned. Th these presumably aren't as bad. 
Well, they are. <laughs> oh, are they? Yeah, I mean, they are. I mean, it, it's, oh, it, no. Something is better than the others. They are equal oh, scale. And am I right in thinking that there has been an increase in the incidence of brain tumours? No, you are not no? right. Um, uh, in countries all over the world, the incidence is stable, or like in Sweden, which is one of the most exposed countries in the world to telecom products, uh, it's slightly decreased. Huh? Uh, so, um, if you would ask me to make like a list, I would probably put cancer at the very bottom. The question is even if it should be at all. But in media, you are taught that if you touch a cell phone, you will immediately get a brain tumor. But that's not true. Well, I'm glad we've cleared that one up. So there is there is some good news to this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Become infertile, you will have no fruit, vegetables, and nuts, and so on. Or bees. And, no. and with the decrease, for instance, of pollinators, I often now get calls from people. The last was from Canada, a man who called me and said, You know, I have to ask you, since you're an expert on, on um, animals and so on, you know, we don't have any birds any longer. Wow, I said. Uh, yeah, we had so many birds in our garden, and they're gone. Could you please send me a list of the birds you had in your garden? And he did, and they were all insect eaters. And without the insects, of course, there is nothing to eat, so no birds. That is so sad. And yeah. I have noticed, I live yeah. in the country. Yeah, yeah. And I have noticed the decline yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in birds, in, yeah. in, in songbirds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, 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 the top predators proliferated, the, yeah. um, the and red kites. Ocean-based birds like seagulls, they are increasing in number uh, because they don't eat insects. That's it. And <laughs> gulls are a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, they really are. Master flyers. So, yeah. Um, you, sorry, I, I've just got to mention this. Did you? There was the, there was a story in the papers about three. Uh, not, I don't read the newspapers anymore, but but there was a there was a story that I I couldn't help noticing about a man who was eating some fish and chips in the garden, sitting naked, sunbathing. And, and, and a seagull swooped down and gave him life-changing injuries, as they were described, while he was... <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but... <laughs> they are very strong and very quick. So it sounds plausible indeed. Yeah, I, d I don't and like gulls. Sweden is, since we have a harsh climate... You can never sit naked in the garden, you know. You would, <laughs> but Ole, you have you you have. You, I know that what you do. You drill holes in the ice, and then you yeah. you dip, and then you go for a sauna. Yeah, exactly. So First that's when you, the girl would get you. Yeah, and you dip yourself, and then you go for the sauna, as you say, you know. And when you have done that, uh, you put on all the clothes, drill another hole, and start fishing. And you have Greenland sharks, don't you? Uh, no. Here, there are no. occasional sharks, but very, very rarely. But with uh, changes in the global warming and so on, also such animals do visit us not often, but now and then, yes. Right. Okay, so going back to um, uh, other, other things that EMF causes. So it doesn't cause brain tumours or cancers generally. It does, it does cause low yeah. sperm count. Yeah. What about, okay, so here's the thing. 
I've had people posit to me, you correct me if I'm wrong, that the real reason for this, I don't believe in COVID. I think it was just re- rebranded flu, basically, because the, you, you look at the, you look at how flu dropped off the radar completely in, in that, in that year, whereas COVID suddenly increased. I, but whatever it was, whatever it was that people were getting sick of, some some people have suggested that, that it really was this was the result of of EMF of of um four G and five G. Um well as a scientist I cannot echo that hypothesis. Uh, we do not see anything like it. And the kind of uh, observations are far too coarse to really give any hints uh, to causes behind COVID or flu, mm-hmm. uh, except for, of course, coronavirus and so on. And again, you would need controlled experiments where yeah. all founders have been checked very carefully and the exposure situations must be standardized. And I don't see that in any of these reports or observations. Okay. But may I just quickly go back to the cancer issue mm-hmm. because don't get me wrong uh, the World Health Organization has cancer classified all types of radio frequency fields including all the cell phone, Wi-Fi routers, etc. etc., um, as possibly cancerogenic and they did it in 2011 um, and, uh, but since then as I say you don't see any incidence changes that you would expect, but it still can be classified. And if I may give you a very short story, and I think this goes back like two and a half years, I was traveling in Stockholm in one of the commuter trains, and since no one knows who I am, I always take the opportunity to inform and educate. And there was a very posh lady uh, sitting next to me and she was fiddling around you know with her smartphone and i leaned over and said sorry um do you know that the uh, world health organization in geneva in switzerland has cancer classified uh, the radiation that uh, your cell phone is using and she went ballistic and called me a lot of bad names and told me to go to a very hot place and I didn't know anything, and I should mind my own business. And I said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. You have one of these smartphones, and you have Google. Couldn't you please Google WHO, cell phone radiation and brain tumors? And she did. And she went silent for like a minute or two, and she was fiddling with her phone, you know. And suddenly she slowly looked up at me and said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. It's all here. You are completely right. But now I get pissed again. Not at you, but at the Swedish authorities, government and parliament. You see, I'm not only a grandmother and mother, uh, but I have grandkids. And therefore, a week ago, I gave my granddaughter a new cell phone. And now I regret it. Um, and what happened later on, I don't know, because I had to leave the commuter train. But you see, information, education, you asked before, what can people do? 
start discussion groups also. Don't only take care of your health, but talk to people. And it could be very informal. Just lean over at your workplace or school or place of leisure or when you are walking or shopping tourists and just ask them, do you know? See the reaction. Well, okay. Now I'm confused. I, earlier on, you told me that there was no connection with brain tumors. Now you're saying the World Health Organization says there is a connection. Well, it's possibly carcinogenic. Um, it's like you know, um, walking a street in is possibly taking me to soccer. Uh, so, um, and, and they are reinvestigating it as we speak now. And the rumor says that they probably will um, reduce classification and say that there isn't an association. And when you look, as I said, on the incidence data, now, 2023, this was 2011, do not see any increase that are statistically significant. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm going with not at the moment. Yeah. And, and yeah. so do because, um, I mean, uh, I don't know for the UK, but here in Sweden, it's quite often you find people that are um, worried, they are concerned, and they seem to live their life being slightly afraid of a lot of things. Uh, yeah. And that could be cool if it's meaningful, but most of the things are not of any importance for them. And I try to tell them, please calm down, live your life, be happy, do something fun with your kids and your husband or wife, etc. And don't worry so much because we are a mental fire brigade and we try our best to investigate these question marks, including, as you said, is there an association between, for instance, wireless telecommunication like 5G and viruses, coronavirus and COVID-19. It is up on the table and being investigated. And um, so far, no, it doesn't seem to be any association. But as I said in the beginning, you know, the levels of exposure can only be understood in astronomical or biblical colossal terms. And we are feeding life on the planet energy uh, at levels unheard of before. And maybe you and I, we don't, well, maybe we swept a little bit, that's it. But maybe viruses thrive, maybe bacteria thrive, maybe bacteriophages thrive from this. And so yeah. far, we don't. Um, and, well, and I like what you said also because you said that maybe it was a constructed situation and it was just an ordinary flu. And you know, I'm a very old man. So I lived through, for instance, the Asian flu in 1957 and the Hong Kong flu in 1968. And of course, we were ill for a few weeks and that was it. Yeah. My mother and father was ill, and that was it. So therefore, when COVID-19 struck, I have, and don't tell anyone, but I didn't change anything in my life. Uh, I just lived exactly as before. I went to coffee shops, restaurants, um, and uh, I traveled inside Sweden, out over the world, uh, and there was no problem. Actually, it was very good, because the coffee shops and restaurants were practically empty. The were empty, the aircrafts were empty, 
on and the service level was superior. You know, sitting in an airliner on your way to Africa with uh, 10, 12 uh, air hostess and five passengers, that's like Well, uh, uh, yeah, but did, did they make you wear a stupid mask or not? No, well, um, no, well, not in Sweden. That was uh, voluntary. Uh, I don't from there. Like, maybe I don't recall. I don't think we did. No, maybe. I, I had this really weird experience. Well, as you know, in in the UK, we were, we had more restriction. I mean, well, Sweden was the was the exception, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the outlier. Yeah. Which was amazing. Well done, Sweden. Um, but <laughs> it was Anders Tegnell. He's 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 your man. Yeah. He um, is. But we are also, and that actually goes back to 1643, uh, we are allowed to think for ourselves. The authorities here are separated legally from the government and parliament and cannot be forced to do anything stupid like mandatory masks and so on. And therefore, we were allowed to do as we wanted. Well, well, I, well, yes, I'm very happy for you. Um, th- and, and, interrupt you but i mean the draconian measures we saw like in canada united states australia and the Zealand, to some extent like in the uk and so on we thought it was kind of a joke could it really be that but it was i mean they were running rampage really we we couldn't believe those of us who were uh, awake couldn't believe it either. We couldn't no. believe what was happening to these I, countries even, that yeah. had supposedly gone through the Enlightenment and so yeah. on, and, and supposed to be above all that nonsense. Yeah, I, no, I, I was just shocked, and I thought, Jesus, they must have something else going on there. There is some other underlying plan or whatever. I never found out what it was, or was it just unfounded fright? Maybe. The Scandinavian, especially Swedish, Vikings through their point. Yeah. I, Ole, <laughs> I, 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 I could, Ole, I, I, I could, I could give you a whole other podcast where I could explain to you what is going on, but we haven't got time for that one here. I was just going to tell you. So, I go onto yeah. the plane for the first time, um, it, it, whenever it was, we were allowed to fly again, and I flew with my wife to Costa Rica on on British Airways. And there were still mask, man- mask mandates being enforced. And I said to my wife on the way to the airport, I'm bloody well not going to wear a mask for a 12-hour flight. No bloody way. And she said, well, well, uh, if, you, if, if you don't wear a mask, I'll have to. And I said, no, you won't. No, you won't. Just, just do as I do. She says, but it's gonna, she says, it's going to look weird if, 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 if you know, we're, both, you know, we're both not wearing masks. She said, no, it won't. So we go to the, 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 the final, final boarding and, and, and the, the woman at the counter says, and please, could you put your mask on now? And I say, I'm mask exempt. And she says, oh, that's fine then. On you go. And, uh, and so my wife did the same. So we sat on this flight for 12 hours, surrounded by people wearing masks because they hadn't said a simple, yeah. simple yeah. phrase, I'm mask exempt. That's yeah. all they had to do. Yeah, All they had to do. Yeah, that's super smart. And, you know, I have another story, similar in a sense. Um, when I was going for the first time to West Africa, and that was uh, about pollinators and the effect on pollinators from radiation. Um, and then you're 
supposed to take a lot of vaccines because they have some illnesses, you know. Yeah, Ebola. One of these vaccination centers, some of them are mandatory. Uh, you have to have them. Yeah. And it was at the time when the COVID vaccines were introduced. And the doctor, she gave me a long list of all the different vaccines I had to take. And then I said, sorry, but um, shouldn't I take these uh, COVID vaccines as well? And believe it or not, but she laughed that Ole, the countries you are going to visit, they have real diseases. So no, you don't even have to think about it. But just to make sure, check so that not the um, country would have it as a mandatory entry demand into the country. None of the countries had. Uh, that was it. Um, so, well, and, I'm glad you dodged that bullet came out on the street, I thought, wow, that's interesting. In other countries like Australia and Canada and some, they are just crazy. And here the doctor laughed. Uh, who is right? And I felt that she was right. So um, going back to the things that EMF does, so sperm count, definitely a problem. Yeah. And it's very interesting what you say about how um, uh, bacteria seem to thrive on on yeah. the, the, they they feed off the energy provided yeah. by the yeah. and 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 mutate even or what or they just just get stronger. Um, they seem to get stronger as well as mutate, but the data is not really clear. I would say more research needs to be done, and as can understand these areas are not easily financed. There is general uh, reluctance to give uh, research money. Uh, for me, being required is even harder. Yeah. I sent you this fundraiser call. If people that are viewing this and listening to this, if they want to help us, please, a single pound or dollar or whatever will make a difference. Uh, and I'll, they put, I'll put a link at, at the bottom. Thank you very much. So, tell, so tell us, tell us where, where the money would go. Uh, it goes to a research account. And in the fundraiser call, uh, we have given some of the major products, including what we talked about right now and a few more, including electron sensitivity, frequency for energy medicine, effect on pollinators and other insects, uh, effects on the sperm cells and fertility, etc. That is quite a number. Uh, and there are two options. You can either use a PayPal button or a direct bank transfer if that's easier for you. And I say again, no gift is small. Uh, just try and help us because we really need it. And uh, we are doing our very best. Just now I'm sending out, um, and I could send it later on to you as well, a declaration about children and uh, November 20 when people have signed it we will send it to the United Nations to protect children from these gadgets not only the radiation but also the behavioral aspect uh, bullying via your cell phone etc so all of that you know uh, so please if you want to sign it then do and after I'll call here I will definitely send it to you Okay, so I want to pin you down a bit more. Okay, so we know that EMF has an effect on bacteria. Um, 
viruses i mean the the there's de- there's debate among my viewers and and listeners on whether even va- viruses actually exist you know that, uh, but 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 supposing for a moment that they do uh is it not entirely plausible that that emf could be um having an effect on these things and making them stronger absolutely it's more than plausible because there are already publications showing that viruses can also be impacted by man-made electromagnetic fields yes okay so uh because that brings me to another theory i i heard posited that the reason that italy northern italy suffered insofar as we can believe what we read in the newspapers which is probably not very much but there seemed to be a kind of an intense outbreak in northern italy which which has been it, it, i've heard may have been the result of of emf there is that is that is that plausible yes it is and again it points more to 5g the fifth generation mobile telephony and don't forget that one of the development centers in the world for 5g was and still is Wuhan in China where the initial outbreak of covid-19 was found right so, yeah more research under controlled circumstances and uh, under standardized circumstances definitely needed but then again we need uh, economic uh, resources the money to do it and and definitely our agenda yeah So how much worse is 5G than its predecessors? You know 5G is so completely different when we talk about the technical characters regarding polarization, frequencies, modulation, etc. and the way it's transmitted through air uh, and it's really not very well understood yet and I'm just about now to finalize and I shouldn't take any credit really because it's a lady in the Dates Christine Zips at Zips Media, and we are finding a documentary about 5G, and I will not go into it yet, but it will be sent out to everyone on my mailing list. And uh, one thing that strikes me very much is that maybe the health concerns about 5G they are they are very important, no question about it. But it seems to be a tool to control. us to have surveillance uh, and that kind of things uh, in a way that is not democratic and it's not appetizing at all and i didn't really think about it so much before this documentary and we worked on it for one and a half years uh, but it strikes me more and more that this is a power tool to control us yes I've never I've never encountered any normal person in any conversation ever who said to me, you know, I'm really glad we've got 5G. It's going to it's going to transform my life. It's it's always we get sold these narratives by the powers that be that that in a, in a more connected world or whatever phrase they want to use, yeah. it's all part of progress. It's inevitable. It's it, things can't work without this next generation stuff but i've never heard the case made ever no. successfully so no, i could just feel in say many years ago when the first and second generation was rolled out here in europe and then the uk was still um, a member of the european union and i remember we were at the meeting at the european union and 
They talk for a whole day about the impact on your personal economy. It's expensive to use a cell phone on the landscape, on the cities, blah, 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 and medical and so on, you know. And then we were through and we were about to leave the room when I suddenly said, wait, I have a final question. And I turned to the parliamentarian from the European Union in Brussels and said, you have to tell me what was the greed, sorry, the need behind um, the rollout when it was decided to blanket Europe with wireless telecommunication? And then he said, you know, that, well, it's very easy to answer that. There was never any need except for greed. This is just a commercial project. And uh, people, ordinary citizens, have never asked for it. And we were happy with the answer. And it wasn't surprising in a sense. But still, I remember I thought about it for many years afterwards, coming back to that, as you say, there is an agenda, and that spells either greed and or power, uh, often hand in hand. Given, given that this is obviously a, a, a form of environmental pollution that is yeah. injurious to public health, yeah. one might have hoped that would, the, the, there would be loads of professors like you around the world pointing this stuff out. But I'm, I, I imagine you're quite a lone voice, aren't you? Well, I'm not alone, but there are very few. And uh, as you say, we would need a few more, definitely. And we are trying our best to reach. I have, for instance, myself written to the World Health Organization, to the United Nations, to my own former prime minister, and so on. And they did even send a automatic reply. I got nothing back. And for me, living in Sweden, which is supposed to be some kind of a democracy based on election, blah, 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 all of that, yeah. it is surprising to realize that your own prime minister, he doesn't give a toss about you, and the World Health Organization, the same, and the United Nations, the same. Uh, and I do hope they know what they're doing, because it would be it would be sad in the future if, uh, if, for instance, children and teenagers would say, why didn't they listen to this Ole Johansson in Sweden? Mm. He, he asked the uh, relevant questions and had many of the answers actually already in his hand. Why didn't they listen? Have you seen the videos? I, I remember these videos doing the rounds during the kind of COVID nonsense of 5G... Um, devices on in housing estates in in I think the north of England. Okay, and and there was one with a tree by it. Yeah, and and the the leaves of the trees were were, were destroyed. I mean, the, the the tree was dying on the side. It was exposed to the five G. Yeah, is, is that real? Studies like that here in Sweden, because I find it very very interesting, and there are publications. Uh, the problem is, though, you know, that, and I don't recall the numbers, really, uh, but in Sweden, there are like a hundred million or more trees, and there are a few that are damaged, and maybe it's another reason. So we, again, would like to do controlled studies, and then we need the support and help of your listeners. 
very rare. Yeah, I, I, it, presumably the, the problem is that the, the money is all on the side of the industry that wants to yeah. push this stuff. Yeah. No, yeah. no one's looking after the consumer. Or the, no. or, or, and therefore, you know, <laughs> the funny thing with the letter to our prime minister was that it was not at all about any medical or biological questions. It was only about Swedish public economy. And we pointed to that there were risks inherited into the telecom adventure. And we wanted him to sort of look into it and maybe change a few of, uh, a few of the things they had. And he didn't give a cost at all. And public economy in Sweden, that's based on taxpayers' money, meaning it's my money also. They and, never remember that government well, yeah. when they're spending your money. They never remember whose money it is. No. And, and you know, I'm still surprised. Uh, I don't know the correct uh, English word, but I would call it disrespectful to the uh, constituents if you cannot even send an automatic computerized reply or nothing. And yeah. we um, got eventually a reply from a lay person at the, some department. And since she didn't know anything, the answer was completely blaha, blaha, as Greta Thunberg says. And, and with all of this, we actually wrote an article because we said maybe some historian in the future would like to read about what happened that year in Sweden. And it's not unique. I hear these same stories all over. People are banging on the door to number 10 down in street, but no one opens. That's absolutely true. Your, your message must have made you unpopular <laughs> with the industry. Have you, have you ever had any, any pressure put on you or any kind of discomfiture? Actually, a lot of pressure, but not so much from the industry, but more from other areas of society uh, and also i found out in may this year uh, that behind my back because you know i'm constantly i think you say pit angry mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, then i found out and i see that as a very positive uh, wording uh, namely behind my back my peers my scientific peers they call me the gordon ramsay of science <laughs> <laughs> well, what, because he's angry all the time. Yeah, I'm angry because I feel that uh, the taxpayers have the right to know. And you mentioned Anders, Anders Tignell and COVID-19 before. And even so here in Sweden, I think they did a pretty decent job. But there were a number of questions, simple, obvious, relevant questions being put to him and others. They just went on the carpet. Why? Why well, are certain questions so dangerous? Well, you realize that the uh, the the cynics' explanation for why you know we all look at Sweden and go, yeah, Anders Tegnell and and yeah, yeah. they're the role model and stuff. The 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 real reason for this, according to some of my more conspiracy-minded friends, is that. Sweden is already so controlled. You know, you, you, you've, you are pretty much cashless. You've got, you've got 
you, you the kids volunteering to have microchips implanted in there you know they they're volunteering to have the mark of the beast they don't need to be cursed into doing it coerced into doing it so sweden is already so gone that you were you were permitted the the, the illusion of, of 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 freedom during covid exactly yeah, yeah. what do I you mean, reckon to that well, i i would really and by the way there are no kids with microchips here there are a few adults uh, well, no, that's what i meant i meant well, by kids i meant sort of people in their early 20s that kind of thing well maybe even older than that but there are very few and there is no real practical reason behind it uh, but um uh well i mean you mentioned before i heard questions being put for instance about the virus nature of coronavirus and and, they just, and you know, I was taught when I worked at the Berlin that there are no stupid and only stupid answers, and I, as a scientist, would produce them, and that you should always respect the constituents, the taxpayers, the consumers, call them whatever you want to, because they have the right. To get an answer to their questions regardless of what. And therefore, every time someone called me and asked, I tried. And sometimes I had to be honest and say, I'm sorry, I don't know this, but I will look around and call you back maybe tomorrow and I will see if I could find an answer to your question. And yeah. that gave uh, the initiation, you can say, to some research projects because. Uh, civil population the, the citizens of a country they are not stupid not at all they had a lot of very interesting suggestions and ideas and some of which we actually used uh, but uh, nowadays the modern stylists do sometimes turn away uh, i don't understand that yes i think that i think that um our sort of rulers are becoming much more flagrant in their contempt for us. They don't even bother to pretend they're interested in what we say or think. Oh, they that's go ahead. And that also goes to that. I guess if you go back to the 1930s and 40s and 50s and so on, that politicians sometimes would do bad things, but never in the open. But nowadays, yeah. you know, they are still right in front of you. Yeah. They don't bother to hide anything. Yeah. I mean, for me, being old, it's such a surprising society. And when people call me and say, oh, you should be lucky. You live in the best of the best democracies. And I say, democracy what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And we are far from it. I do understand we're better off than some countries like North Korea and so on. Uh, but hey, we're not a democracy any longer, you know. And the question yeah. is, if we ever was. That's the cleverer question. Were we <laughs> ever? Were we ever? Because I don't think... I was brought up to believe that to have been born English was to have won the lottery in life. And I, I was proud of our empire and I was proud of, of all... You know, we, we brought sort of justice and democracy and railways and all this stuff that we're that we, we, we're told we should be proud of to the world and actually i think you go back 
go back to 1666, you go back even earlier, you find there are moments in British history where the, the talons closed around our throat and the idea that we are free has always been an illusion. And the idea that we live in democracy, whatever that is, is also a lie. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I And it's bad to realize that. And also, I often think about my own years, primary school and upwards. You were never taught useful things about reality. Uh, you were taught a lot of, about mathematics and statistics physics cameras they're good interesting wow but the practical illusions as you say you were never taught about them and the um, sort of mechanism behind everything was never revealed to you and i feel i've been um, kind of fooled and it's only when you grow older you start seeing it i'm definitely no conspiracy theories not at all but i am surprised to realize that there is quite a number of things in our both countries that are not so nice you don't need to be a conspiracy theorist you just need to be a conspiracy realist you just need to understand that this is this is the the, the nature I, of things i love that expression that's very good so um just just to sort of sort of um sum up what we've what your 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 expertise um if suppose i were your your son yeah. or, or 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 you had a or was the a father of your your grand right i i'm not that much younger than you but yeah say i'm your same your son and uh or, or i was the father of your granddaughter what would you be doing? What would you be advising me to do to protect her from? Oh, that's a real classical question. I get it very often. And I would answer something like this, that you and I being mature adults, we have to speak to this girl uh, and tell her about facts. Uh, but of course, in a democracy, whatever that means, her choice would still be her own as long as she would be um, older than a certain age. Before that, maybe as a father, you would have to yeah, take the cell phone. And the easiest way to do that is, of course, to not pay uh, the, um, um, or what you say, the operator. The well, yeah. Yeah, uh, any longer. So she would have a useless piece of plastic and metal, period. Um, and you would probably be hated for the rest of the uh, Although, uh, unfortunately, I, I do have ch actual children. And the idea of... The, if I went downstairs now and tried <laughs> telling them... Well, tell it, it's my fault. It... it <laughs> It, 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 they, they're glued to... The, like All I kids know. are, everywhere. They're glued to their equipment. I know. No, it's just awful, you know. And there are zombies signs. And the addiction level, there are even publications about this. And at least now in both Sweden and other countries, people are reacting to it and starting a discussion how often and how long should people be allowed, sorry, children be allowed to sit by a laptop or a cell phone screen and so on. And uh, you know, um, China, they have a very strict regulation about this, at least in schools. 
So there the kids are not allowed to use, they have to actually leave their cell phones by the door. Uh, and of course, China, and I read yesterday another article um, about this. And of course, China has a very simple business model. They just want to buy it all, including England and Sweden. And then they need pupils and students that are very, very focused. If that is democratic or not, we can discuss for a long time. Uh, but the outcome is that they should take over. Uh, they should always be on top of the rest of the world. And um, so, yeah, they seemingly take more responsibility for the kids, although I think that it's more about taking responsibility of the future Chinese ruling society of the world, you know. Um, just one question before we go. Um, if I could somehow arrange it, that I could turn off the Wi-Fi in my house at night, yeah. Would it make any difference to my health? And what would I... Well, you already no talked about before doing very smart experiments. And stepwise, maybe, as you say, turn it off during night, turn it off during weekends, turning off for a week or a month. Or, or as we wanted to do in this small town in Sweden, Jungby, we wanted to turn it off for a year or two. Uh, just to see whether the uh, health parameters would change and if it could be tied to the reduction in exposure. And so far today, we don't know. But it is a recommendation always to try to minimize the exposure, especially for children and teenagers. Uh, so, yeah, I would try that. You, you, are, you are the classic scientist, ultimately, Oli. Uh, you know, more the, research needed. More. Can't be sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. And and I know I'm boring, and that's because we too, you know, uh, we are dull and boring. But at the same time, uh, I don't want to sort of shift the pressure point when it comes to facts. Yeah, a lot yeah. we talk about are based upon either speculation, some of them even being wild such, some are hypotheses, some are theories, mm. and that, of course, facts and knowledge. And there's a of it and sometimes when you listen to laypersons they have a very hard time to discern between facts and speculation mm. uh, so and that's my job i mean every day i get questions very much the same as you have put to me and i need to straighten them out and try to inform and educate as i said before but there's always also a limit sometimes i have to say sorry i don't know and that in itself could be more scary to people than if I would say, okay, this is the answer. Yeah. I think that the mental fire brigade with the scientists, that we know everything and we don't. Yeah. Where can people find you? Have you got a website? Um, that would be the link that I provided you with. Okay. And... Um, there they would find even a link to a, a CV, for instance, and more information. And of course, if anyone would like to contact me, they could write to you mm -hmm. and then you send the email. Okay. And that would be it. I'll do that. Yes, because we, we've only scratched the surface of 5G. And I, I know, you, for example, you did, um, 
you you wrote to the to the UK Parliament, didn't you, yeah. expressing your concerns? And yeah. I, I found that on the internet very easily. So yeah. people, because there's more de- more technical detail than we had really space for. We have written to the parliaments, governments, health authorities, radiation protection authorities, to laypersons, lawyers, medical doctors, and all over the world, including the United Nations, the World Health Organization. Many of which have never replied. Some have. And unfortunately, I must say, and that includes the Swedish government and parliament, they don't know very much. They just take a chance because there's so much money involved mm. here. And so they are appetized by the money side, but they take a chance. They hope that, for instance, pollinators, kids, sperm cells, and so on should not be harmed or damaged. But that's just a hope. Yeah. Uh- Ole, it's been an absolute joy speaking to you. Thank you very much. Thank Um, you. uh, If you've enjoyed watching this podcast, I I really appreciate your support. Um, You can you can support me. You you can get early access to my podcasts if you sign up to um, uh, Subscribestar, to Locals, to Patreon, and to Subscribestar. Or you can buy me a coffee. Or you can, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, Yeah. honor if you came here to sweden to buy you much more than a coffee uh, and also i would entertain you now in complete darkness because it is dark and cold and wet uh, but it would be such fun to have you oh, here. and i'd get to see the northern lights maybe oh yes indeed yes yeah uh, and if they are not around i could uh, allow you to borrow my torch and we could play with that you know and, so, uh, and we could go and shoot a shoot yeah, a moose all sorts of Locks. Yeah. And also, if this recording is made public in some kind of a link or so on, I have a very big mailing list. And oh, good. It's out to every corner of the world except one, and that corner we call the South Pole. But apart from that, every corner. The South Pole is a yeah. whole other podcast. In fact, <laughs> it's the biggest <laughs> podcast of all, Antarctica. Yeah. good thank you very much I've enjoyed that a lot you're you're a a splendid fellow thank you thank you Dellingpole meets Ike in Manchester November the 15th you'll find the details below I'm really looking forward to seeing you all there November the 15th gonna be fun bye